Hello, everyone. This morning, I want to speak to you about reconnecting with your family. In this time of uniting to limit the spread of the coronavirus, many of us have had to stay and work at home. For families, it can mean being confined to the same space 24-7. The constraints of physical confinement in a stressful time can bring fresh and unique challenges. Issues that have been swept under the carpet become more noticeable, and old hurts and disappointments can resurface, placing a strain on our tolerance for one another. Yet, I want to encourage us to see this time in a new light. It may actually be the perfect opportunity for us to reconnect with our families. In the Psalms, David says, How good and pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. I'm sure that this is the hope and the cry of many families, to have that peaceful and loving atmosphere in our homes. Yet this is something that we do need to work on. Take, for example, a home. If we hope to have a clean and inviting home to live in, we need to do regular spring cleaning. Spring cleaning is a deep cleaning and decluttering that we do after the winter has passed so that it brings newness to our homes just like the newness that comes with spring. Is it possible that we also need to do some spiritual spring cleaning so that the Lord can bring his blessing in our homes? What would this spiritual spring cleaning look like? It begins with allowing the Lord to show us wrong attitudes and reactions that we have permitted to become part of our lives. When we are aware of the areas we need to work on, we can cry out to the Lord for the grace to overcome these areas. We can learn some things about spiritual spring cleaning by considering what happens in the natural. When we clean a house, things always look much worse than at the beginning. Everything is exposed, taken apart, and out of order. When my wife did spring cleaning, she found it very useful to have a vision of the ultimate end result to motivate her to persevere. Otherwise, it was easy for her to become discouraged. The same is true in our spiritual lives. When God does a deep cleaning, we can sometimes feel torn apart and in a state of chaos. That can be very discouraging. However, we need to remember that it is God's ultimate purpose not to destroy us, but to cleanse us so that we can become more like Jesus. Keeping this goal before us can encourage us in the process. Another thing that helped my wife in this cleaning process is not to tackle every room at once. She would tackle one room a day 
so that we would not be totally overwhelmed. In the same way, the Lord is so gracious. If we will seek him for direction, he does not show us a hundred issues that need to be fixed, but he focuses on one issue at a time. How does spiritual spring cleaning work in a practical way? What is it that will open up the floodgates of heaven so that God's grace can transform areas of our lives? In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, we may need to confess to our loved ones things that we have done to hurt or offend them and ask for their forgiveness. This can be very painful, and it certainly deals a blow to our pride. But if we will begin to do so, it will encourage other members of our family to also begin to open their hearts and to do likewise. Another key to restoring the family is to understand how God intended for the family to function. Failing to do so could lead to unnecessary conflict and heartache. Marriage was God's idea and therefore he knows how it will work best. If I can express this as a picture, marriage is like a triangle with God at the top, the wife and husband are on either side. When husband and wife choose to put God first and draw closer to God as individuals, the Lord will also cause them to draw closer to each other. In other words, a good marriage is built on the foundation of a strong and stable relationship that each spouse has with the Lord. This is why it is important for husband and wife to spend time in prayer as individuals and collectively as a couple, so that God can give direction on strengthening the family. Let us turn to Ephesians 5, 23 and 25 for God's instructions for the husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. God has appointed the husband to be the leader of his home. This does not mean a husband can do as he pleases and everyone in the family must serve him. Rather, God has entrusted to the husband an awesome responsibility for which he will have to give an account to the Lord one day. He is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. This means 
leading with great kindness, with love and sensitivity to the needs of his wife and children. It means seeking the Lord diligently to find out what is best for them. It also means to do what is best for them in each situation, even if it means laying down one's rights, one's preferences, or one's life. What is God's instruction for wives? In Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Submission involves presenting one's thoughts and ideas. God has designed a man and woman to be different in the way they perceive things. Both perspectives are needed to form a complete picture. A wise husband will therefore value and weigh carefully the insights and perspectives of his wife so that he can fully understand what the family needs. A wise woman will submit her thoughts to her husband, but trust the Lord with the results. Perhaps this time of physical confinement is a unique opportunity for husbands and wives to reconnect, to share their hearts with one another, to seek the Lord so that they can come to a place of agreement, of peace, and of harmony. It can also be a unique opportunity for parents to spend quality time with their children. Sometimes these times of confinement bring to light certain areas of weakness in the parent-child relationship that are otherwise hidden in the busy routine of life. God wants the father and the mother to be the children's heroes. If they are not, then children will look elsewhere for role models. Parents, I would encourage you to take the time to invest in your children. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When you train your children in God's ways, you are building a solid foundation in the lives of your children. And those seeds of truth you plant in their hearts at a young age will remain with them even long after you are gone. What a wonderful legacy. Children are more open to instruction if the relationship has been oiled through quality time with them. When our children were young, we would read books together as a family. Our children would become so involved in the stories that they would beg us to read another chapter. I think they didn't want to go to bed also. But they loved the time of reading the books. It was a special time for us as a family to connect 
and enjoy each other's company. Find something that your family enjoys doing together and have fun with it. Read the Bible to your children and pray with them. It will help develop that relationship of trust. There may be some of us who live alone for one reason or another. Perhaps you may think that the message does not apply to you. However, God tells us in Psalm 68, verse 6, that he sets the solitary in families. In other words, God has placed within your sphere of influence people that he desires you to connect with. They are, in a sense, your family. When one lives alone, it is easy to forget about others and become inward-looking and self-absorbed. However, if we allow that to happen, we will miss out on many wonderful opportunities to reach out to others who may need to be encouraged and cared for. Even if our social interaction is limited, we can still make a phone call to encourage and pray for others. We can speak words of life to them as the Lord directs. A grandparent can talk to or text the grandchildren to remind them of how precious they are and to encourage them in the ways of the Lord. Years ago, my 90-year-old mother-in-law was standing in line to pay for her food at a grocery store. When she got her wallet, the man behind her said, Ma'am, let me pay for your bill. He wanted to bless it forward to help someone out. How wonderful it is to glorify God by doing acts of kindness for others. Jesus said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, verse 35. Being alone can present challenges of depression and loneliness. However, the answer does not lie in self-pity, but in giving out to others. When we obey the Lord's direction in giving to others, the amazing thing is that He pours in a joy that washes away those negative feelings. Apart from acts of kindness, we can also give to others through the words that we speak. In Psalm 18, verse 35, David said of the Lord, Thy gentleness has made me great. Gentleness can build others up while crudeness and harshness can tear others down. When we stand before the Lord, we all want to hear him give us his wonderful words of praise and approval. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's Matthew 25, 21. 
In the same way, we all desire and need praise, approval, and affection, especially from those closest to us. Are we spending time showing approval and praise to those around us, showing people love, satisfaction, and approval can often help heal a wounded spirit. When we praise others and minister to them, it brings glory to God. In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 4, it is stated that we are to remember the law of Moses. The Ten Commandments are very important to review and to remember not only with our families, but as individuals. These have never been revoked by God. We are to remember them. The prophet Malachi said in chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to their children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. We desperately need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. But before that can take place, the family needs to be restored. That is how important it is. As we consider these truths, let us take this time of pause to meditate on the condition of our family relationships. Are we at peace with each and every member of our family? Are there hurts or offenses that trouble us that may need to be resolved? I want to give you hope today that the Lord is well able to reconnect and restore our families so that we will enjoy his peace and contentment. And our days will be like days of heaven upon earth. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your ways. They are so perfect and so right. God, it's your idea to bring a man and a woman together in marriage and create a family. Lord, we honor you for your marvelous ways. And Lord, we pray that we will have a deep esteem for the marriage that you have established and Lord, that you will cause us to be faithful to our part as a husband or wife, that our family can flow together in harmony. Lord, we want to be a delight to your heart. We want to give you great joy by the function of our family life, by our respect and awe for you. Lord, we want to do all of your will. We want to bring up a holy seed that will honor you all the days that we live on this earth. 
We love you, Lord. Your ways are perfect and right. Bless your people. Bless the families that are uh, hearing this message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. May God bless you and go enjoy your family.